Opening bell, I heard it. You know the deal, folks. Protect yourself at all times. Punches in bunches, shoe shines in the corner, hot sauce to the ribs. When in doubt, stick it out. Ranchos al hígado. There's a new one for you, folks. Alfonso Ruiz with Pacific Coast Boxing. Fired up, episode four. Here, of course, with my co-host, partner in crime, Mr. Rick Prado. Rick, what's up? Hey, man, how's it going now? I'm doing good. I'm fired up. I feel like episode four, this would be like our fourth fight. And we're like that, the hottest, fastest rising podcast in boxing, according to all the social media that I read. We're like that fighter. Like, we don't need any tune-ups. We don't need the Miguel Burchell tune-up. We're, we're, we want to fight the top ten right now, podcasting. No, yeah, we're the Lomachenkos, you know, 8-0, fighting for the world title. That's exactly right. And I don't want to use the word amateur when it comes to you and I, but... Going off of that same analogy, right, we have a long amateur career in talking boxing and knowing the sport. So stands the reason we're up and ready to go up against the big boys, whoever those big boys are, by the way. I don't even know who they are. Yeah. Hey, everybody out there, you know, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and give us a rating. Uh, if anybody wants to contact us uh, to discuss topics you may want us to cover, any questions or feedback, our email address is counterpunch at pacificcoastboxing.com. And we had another one this week that I'm going to cover, I think, in our next segment. We had a, an email come in about our top five fights mm -hmm. and how we excluded any female fights, which I thought was a very salient point that was brought up by one of our fans, Rick. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's something we can fix this week. And we have one, and we have one coming up next. You Again, we were counterpunched, and I got to be honest with you, our guard was down, and we got counterpunched pretty well. Yeah. So very good one. We'll be covering that. As usual, a lot going on in boxing. Way too much going on. Uh, Sergio Maravilla Martinez, he announces that he's now coming back. Um, De La Hoya, of course, coming back. I know we got a lot of this coming up in the news, Rick, but who, who else is coming back? Yeah, you know, it started with Mike Tyson. Now everybody, you know, wants to come back. Uh, you know, I don't know. The thing about boxing that's different from other sports is that it's not about who wins and who loses it's about who is willing to pay to watch that performance as an example you're not going to see jerry jones bring back troy aikman okay yeah, no. it may be a spectacle for one series or one play but ultimately that's going to impact the level of performance of the team they get an l they don't make the playoffs doesn't happen in boxing wins and losses don't really matter yeah, no, it. Uh, but you know, some of these guys, it, you know, Delahoy's talking about fighting the top guys at 147, 154, 160. That's too much to ask for at 47. Well, we'll get to that, right? Yeah. We'll get to that because we have some some pretty good discussion on that. I know we have that in uh, in your news segment, yeah. so we're we're gonna get to that. Um, Miguel Burchell, uh won his fight, of course, against um, a punching bag that happened to be in the form of a human being in yeah. Valenzuela. Okay. We're going to get to that as well as far as, you know, those kind of non-competitive fights. They call that a tune-up. That's not a tune-up, okay? No. That's me taking a wrench and or, you know, that's me cleaning the windshield on my car. That's not a tune-up, right? Yeah. That guy had absolutely no shot at all, 
Okay, and that's why people get turned off to boxing, by the way. That zero shot. Yeah, you know, it was tough to watch. Um, you know, tough, tough guy, though. You know, he, he took a lot of punishment. You know, a lot of fighters wouldn't have been able to hang in there. They, they chose him well, right? Yeah. And, you know, watching that card, there was a couple of fights before that where the fight got stopped in the first round, yeah. okay? And it, and, and it shouldn't have been stopped in the first round. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just starting. I mean, the guy didn't break a sweat. Good-looking kid. I mean, he looked like he'd be an actor. Didn't even break a sweat, and the fight got stopped. I think everybody was like, "What? What's going on?" Yeah. Right. And then, <clears throat> shocker, the Miguel Burchelt Valenzuela fight gets goes all the way to six rounds, where the guys get absolutely pummeled. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to a point, seriously, where that's dangerous. Yeah. Tim Bradley was calling out on it. Andre Ward even said, "You can get tired from just hitting a guy." Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's the and and I really I feel bad, but they know what they're doing, Rick. These promoters know what they're doing. They look at a fighter's track record. They understand this guy's got a tough chin. He can hang in there. He can take a beating. I didn't like it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I love boxing, but that's what I don't like about boxing. I'm watching that, and I'm like, come on, man, somebody stop the fight. Yeah, you know, people can get hurt. You know, it, it's it needed to be stopped. Rounds rounds earlier for no reason. Yeah. That's the kind of situation where this guy's gonna end up having some kind of long term. Uh, you know, brain uh, issues because of those sorts of beating. But, hey, it was a tune-up for Miguel Burchell. I didn't like it, Rick. So, But we're going to talk about some of that because big, big, big segment today. We probably could have covered it in our first segment, Rick, in our inaugural episode one. But, of course, we had to cover the four kings. But we're going to talk about what's wrong with boxing and how we're going to fix it. And we have some very real, tangible solutions. We did some ideation, and we've got some opportunities to fix boxing rick yeah no it'll be definitely a great um topic to get into yeah i think and really um the the goal of this is it's going to be thought provoking there's going to be some ideas that maybe you guys listening are going to say yeah no way these guys are nuts but think about it i want you to think about it with an open mind some of the solutions that we have some of these are not so crazy some of them you've actually heard i know i've heard some of these in social media but we're going to try and and maybe articulate them and kind of package and aggregate them so they make a lot more sense with regards to judging making the best fights and all of the championship divisions of course we got all the news and that's big because of everything going on in the news with the comebacks and some of these fights really interested to see what uh what you got on deck Mm -hmm. for us there rick of course we got the rick prado stat of the week so that's going to be exciting got some big news coming up as well we got the Standing eight count studios, all fully set up at an undisclosed location in Southern California. We got a couple of fighters right now that are tentatively not going to give you any names, but we've got some pretty big ones that are potentially going to be here in studio with us, Rick. Yeah, I'm I'm fired up to hear. We're on episode four. Okay, first Uh of all, we had Adam Blue Nose Lopez, we had Lazaro, so we're already getting some excellent quality, but it's only going to get better. Folks, hang on, stick stick around with us, protect yourself at all times, and we're coming up with the boxing news. All right, folks, protect yourself at all times. Alfonso Ruiz, Rick Prado, back here with Pacific Coast Boxing. We're going to talk boxing news, but first, I mentioned in the intro that we were counterpunched. Um, I got to be careful, Rick, because last time I gave the name of the uh, 
of the emailer and, and mm-hmm. uh, people could email them. So see, yeah. that's just kind of learning. So all I'll tell you is this came from Northern California. Okay. And the email essentially was asking, love the fights that you guys, guys identified, but what about women's boxing? There's a lot of good fights that could have been made for 2020. So Rick, what do you got? Which female fight did we miss that we could, is feasible for 2020? Well, one that we saw in 2019 Sanisa Estrada versus Marlon Esparza, too. Um, that's a match that could be made. Both Golden Boy fighters. First one, uh, in, very good fight. Well, and, and you know, let's give it the same level uh, of, uh, of discussion that we did with the other ones, right? We talked about um, all the different check boxes. So first, the promotion. Is the promotion a problem? No, they're both Golden Boy fighters. Location. No, they generally are both going to fight out of Southern California. Mm-hmm. Money, money could be an issue. Um, well, it shouldn't, but I, I would, yeah. I see that being the only case. Personality, don't see an issue with personality. I know that Marlon is, uh, is, uh, is Barza definitely wants to wants the rematch. Mm-hmm. Weight could be an issue, right? Yeah, Sanisa moved up. Uh, Sanisa moved down. She moved down. She moved back okay. Down. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you know that could be a problem, mm-hmm. but I think the fact that it was a it was a good fight up until and I had Asparza leading in that fight mm-hmm. until the uh, the nasty headbutt. The nasty headbutt. Uh, the fight definitely changed after that. Uh, she was definitely affected by that. Um, I think uh, she was rattled after that. Well, and and uh, and who wouldn't be? Yeah. I mean that was nasty, right? Yeah. That's gonna that's going to impact you. And it did impact the fight. I'm sorry. Taking nothing away from Sinisa, okay? Mm-hmm. She she fought great. She deserved the victory. But, you know, given those circumstances, I want to see that one again. No, yeah, I definitely want to see that one again. So there you go. Um, you're right. We missed that, and we'll make sure. In fact, we're working on uh, having a uh, female boxer come on the show. Won't give names yet till it's all confirmed, but this is an excellent fighter. Around that division, Rick, that could actually fight any one of these two. So we will see once that gets confirmed. Um, one of the things Rick and I were talking about during the break was the Miguel Burchelt and Valenzuela. And Rick, you had a good point. Like, if they're going to put these guys in like Valenzuela, how about having them wear the headgear? Yeah, you know, it. Uh, he was taking a beating. You know, it was, uh, you just don't want people see people get hurt. I know what they're doing. They're picking the fighter that's going to make Burchelt look really good. You know, he's going to take a beating. You know, uh, it was even like the guys were saying, um, Andre Ward, Timothy Bradley, that uh, Burchelt's offense is his defense. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He he didn't need to uh, defend at all. No, especially not against a guy like that. Yeah. And I mean, seriously, like if you're going to, you know, boxers, boxing, if they're going to be that overmatched top rank, mm-hmm. again, we appreciate, I love the fact, of what they're doing with the Tuesday Thursday night mm-hmm. that was kind of a bonus on a Saturday but come on you know we, we don't need to see that kind of lopsided fight give us somewhat competitive and if it's going to be that lopsided stop the damn fight early okay yeah. the other thing Rick I took a better look at the referee and his camera gear I like the camera but that setup that looks like something that I would do here in my backyard okay <laughs> they can figure it out though they it worked, but I mean it looked like a almost like a back support uh-huh. that was converted into like some kind of a GoPro camera setup. Yeah. The I mean they how about tucking it inside of a shirt too with all the cables? Yeah. Check yeah, that they, out. 
they can put the lens, you know, sticking out from the middle of the shirt or something. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. Yeah. It just looks so, I mean, it's typical, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks like, uh, you're right. Say, yeah, I think that'll work. You know, pick up a back strap and they uh-huh. taped it in the back. They got all the cables. So it looks a little messy, but um, check that out if you haven't seen it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, all right. With that, Rick, a lot going on with the boxing news. So let's have at it. Definitely. Uh, after, we'll start with the uh, results from the past week. You know, Top Rank had another three three cards to show on ESPN. Uh, Tuesday night, Joshua the Professor Franco. Big one. He, he upset, you know, previously unbeaten Andrew Maloney. Good to see the kid Joshua Franco, by the way, win that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trilogy with uh, Oscar Negrete, I think. He had the three fights yeah. um, that were absolute wars when they, you know, mm-hmm. they were showing the punch stats comparing the uh, Gotti and Ward. Yeah. Um, so, no, it was good. It was good to see. Again, I obviously I think both fighters I didn't wasn't pulling either way mm-hmm. and um but yeah good fight good to see a kid like that stick yeah. with it and win the championship and you know interesting fight though it was it was golden boy fighter you mm-hmm. know on a top rank card it's a top rank he had to yeah. come in and uh yeah win that fight um out of San Antonio right yeah I think fifth or sixth fighter Robert out of Garcia San Antonio. yeah that's out of the Robert Garcia gym that's right um Jesse James Leja was out of San Antonio yeah another big guy <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Thursday night, you know, uh, Jason Maloney won his fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would have been tough to see, you know, two twins lose first time they come over to the United States and lose. Yeah, both their both their fights. Yeah, that would have been tough. That yeah. would have been tough for that to happen. He had a lot. He had a lot at stake there, and he took care of business and he did the right thing. And good on him, right? Would have tough coming into the fight. They were talking to him when his brother was fighting Tuesday about how. He's more nervous watching his brother fighting than when he's fighting, yeah. and that, and I could understand that, right? Watching a loved one like that, so good, good on him, good fight, good win for him. Hey, they come back, uh, you know, they split. Yeah, right. You got the split yeah, when, you, you got when, the split. when you're fighting in you know basketball, right? Uh, first two games of a seven game series, you want the split. Yeah. They got the split. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing, thing about those two, they asked him if they would ever fight one another, and they yeah. said if the money's right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You nobody ever that. says that. No, they don't. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> yeah, you you think of the uh, the heavyweights, the Russians that would um, that would never fight each other. Yeah, the Klitschko's. Yeah, never, the Klitschko's. Yeah. yeah, they would ne- They would never fight each other. Uh, I don't think you'll see uh, the Herd brothers fight each other. Yeah. E- uh, either. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, on the undercard on Thursday, it was Abraham Nova. He was the guy with the yellow beard. I don't know if you, yeah, you know, watching that fight. He mm-hmm. won a unanimous decision over Avery Sparrow. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I mentioned this is Avery Sparrow was the same guy mm-hmm. when we were going to go see Ryan Garcia mm-hmm. at oh, the Dignity Sports. The one that was uh, he arrested. Got, he had the weapons charges, yeah. and that's the reason why we didn't see Ryan Garcia that interesting. night. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And then the whole controversy about um, him not wanting to fight mm-hmm. Robert Duneau, mm-hmm. right? And because the money wasn't right, and yeah. then somebody leaked that no Ryan Garcia was afraid. No, he wasn't afraid. Yeah. They were trying to fight him, have him fight a fire, fighter of higher caliber for mm-hmm. same amount of money or not enough. So that's interesting. So finally, finally made it to the ring. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know Saturday night the the Burchell fight that we've already you know kind yeah. of discussed. Yeah, the human punching bag. Yeah, the human punching bag. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah, don't call it a tune-up. That's not a tune-up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other news from uh, this this past week: uh, Jarrell, Big Baby Miller, tested positive again for a banned substance. Yeah, and it's and it's crazy when you think about it because here's a sport right that gets questioned for the validity of a lot of the testing that they use. Because we're going to talk about that later. There's mm-hmm. really not one. There's multiple sanctioning bodies yeah. for essentially right. 
It's not MLB, NFL, where there's one. So to get in trouble this many times and fail this many times, that being said, I'm going to say that on the personal side, I hope he's okay. Mm -hmm. Because obviously there's something going on there mentally that is causing him to continue to falter. So I hope he's okay at the individual level. Yeah. Now that aside from the professional level, yeah, what a mistake. I mean, here's the guy that was going to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. And and that's now gone. And here, right, gives another opportunity. And yet, he's what he's, a travesty. He's even said in the past that uh, his first positive test cost him thirty million dollars. Yeah, had he had he would have gotten paid eight for the first Joshua fight. Mm-hmm. Had he won, it's another fifteen to twenty mil. Yeah, that you know he would have gotten. And that's pretty much a career right there, right? Yeah. To make the eight million, he's not going to make that. Probably, in fact, not even. I'm not going on a limb to say he's probably never going to make that now. Yeah, he probably, right. He probably won't. Uh, he had just signed a, a deal with Top Rank. Um, yeah. You know, and that's the thing is, somebody's gonna, somebody else is gonna take a chance with him. Yeah. You know. Well, it, they'll they'll have to, especially yeah. now. Now I don't know what the uh, like. What are the what are the specifics of that? Is he banned? Is he suspended for X amount of time or or, or well, what? Due to technicality, he wasn't suspended the first time around. Okay. You know, he just couldn't he couldn't go through that fight. Yeah. Uh, he tested positive for GW fifteen sixteen. Okay. It's a substance that metabolizes fat. Oh wow. So basically, he was trying to lose weight using this. You know, to try to slim down for the fight. Yeah. Um. You know, he's looking at anywhere from six to twelve months suspension. Wow. So now, and that's from boxing period. So all sanctioning bodies. Mm-hmm. All states, Nevada State, the Athletic Commission, California, New York, everywhere. Yeah. Wow. Um, the other thing is uh, Roberto Duran tested mm-hmm. positive for COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, from all I'm hearing, he's doing well. Uh, no ventilator. Yeah. And uh, he's not in intensive care. Yeah. And, then, you know, and, and obviously our, our thoughts and prayers go out not only to Roberto Duran, but everybody and anybody who's impacted by, uh, by the COVID-19 mm-hmm. Obviously, we're a boxing podcast, so, you know, hands of stone, um, you know, hang in there and hopefully uh, speedy recovery. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, he does have a history of respiratory problems from a car accident. Yeah. One of his uh, lungs was was damaged and uh, 69 years old, too. So, you know, that uh, that doesn't help with COVID-19. Yeah, that's just crazy. I don't like hearing how old they are because it reminds <laughs> us if we did the Four Kings where we're at. But that's fine. Punches yeah. and bunches, baby. Um, you know, now we can start getting into, you know, some of these older fighters that want to come out of retirement. Yeah. Uh, De La Hoya, he claims he's ready to return. Top guys, 147, 154, 160. Yeah. You know, it's funny that he mentioned the top guys because the guy he's calling out is Felix Trinidad. I don't know yeah. the last time he was one of the top <laughs> yeah. guys. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's like Oscar what are you talking about? The top guys when I was a top guy? Is that what he's saying, right? Yeah. I want to fight the top guys that were the best when yeah. I was active and at my best, yeah. right? Here's the thing, Rick. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Sad part about it is that people will will pay, right, to go, to go watch him fight because oh, yeah. he's a name, okay? So he would fight... He's not going to fight at the welterweight division, okay? Yeah. Obviously, he forgets that he got shellacked by uh, Manny Pacquiao, mm-hmm. who was moving up to 147 to meet him when he showed up like a like a stick, which was a, which is a complete mistake, right? And and that was 2008, and mm-hmm. that's when Freddie Roach said he couldn't pull the trigger anymore. Right. And that's 12 years later. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Here's the thing, right? If if I were to tell you that you know next month there's going to be a fight between uh, you know Julian Williams and Erickson Lubin in the su- in the super welterweight division, mm-hmm. 
okay, or Jared Hurd against Tony Harrison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how many people you think would rush to go watch that fight from the casual boxing fan? Yeah, not many. Not many, right. But if I told you Oscar De La Hoya is fighting Jermel Charlo, right? Yeah. Everybody. You know, people are going to be curious. People are going to be curious, and they're going to watch it. So, again, I said I said at the intro, boxing is not about who wins and loses. Mm-hmm. The promoters are going to win either way. Yeah, It's not Jerry Jones asking Troy Aikman to come back. It's not the St. Louis Rams or LA Rams bringing back Marshall Falk, right? Because mm-hmm. that's going to impact their product. It's going to turn out to be a loss, and they're not going to do it. Boxing doesn't matter if they can generate a few hundred million dollars with oscar del hoy against anybody they're gonna do it yeah everybody wins yeah definitely and i think the main reason he's calling felix trinidad out right now is out of shape yeah you know oscar's (laughs) probably been you know training oscar's in Mm -hmm. decent shape you know last few pictures i've seen of trinidad not in great shape yeah and i'm telling you that's the thing that fight in itself right Trinidad and De La Hoya would probably generate more pay-per-views, more money than any fight from a middleweight fighter not named Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I'm just telling you, it is. Mm-hmm. You, you put any of these guys in the middleweight division, you know, uh, Jaime Munguia, right? A Jaime Munguia fighting any of these guys, uh, fighting, you know, Sergei Derevichenko against Jaime Munguia. Mm-hmm. Great fight. We'd love to see that, right? They put that fight on, you know, tilted, there'll be nobody at the tilted kilt. Well, you know, it goes back to those YouTubers, you mm-hmm. know, um, Logan Paul, KSI, you know, that's they, were, right. they were the main event. That's right. You know, they were the that's main a, event that's, of, that's a, exactly of a right. zone card. That's exactly right. You know. And, and it speaks to something we're going to cover in our primary segment today about that's what's wrong with boxing. Yeah. Right. That's what's wrong with boxing, because the normal casual fan, there's just so many ch- 17 weight divisions four or sanctioning bodies. Who's the champion? No one knows these guys. Yeah. So, but come on, De La Hoya. I mean, that, that's just a little overboard, yeah. right? Well, you know, let's just wait until he actually schedules the fight. You know, once he schedules the fight, it, you know, yeah. then. And, and I'm not sure what what's the connection to, let me see what Mike Tyson does. Yeah. What's that got anything to do with it, right? Yeah. So if Mike Tyson gets, you know, shellacked in, in an actual comeback fight, De La Hoya says no. Yeah. What, what's that got anything to do with it? Right? Yeah, you know, it shouldn't. I, I think the, uh, Tyson is five, six years older than De La Hoya. Right, right. You know. And he's a heavyweight. Yeah. Different division, different type of fight. So, in fact, right, and again, man, these sort of fights, I can't help but think about when, uh, as a kid when I was watching uh, Muhammad Ali against Larry Holmes. Mm-hmm. Two fighters that I absolutely loved. I love the, uh, the, the Eastern assassin, uh, Larry Holmes. And, of course, I loved Muhammad Ali. But what a tough fight to watch, yeah. right? But guess what? I watched it at my friend Raymond de Jesus's house in mm-hmm. Atwater Village. Everyone was there packed, right? Because yeah. it's Muhammad Ali, even though he had zero chance. And it's the same with these guys, with the De La Hoya, with uh, Sergio Maravillo mm-hmm. Martinez, who already has a fight scheduled. He already has a fight scheduled August 22nd in Spain. Yeah, you see. Yeah. And, you know, and again... I don't even want to give it enough credence yet, but have those two guys fight. Have it's almost like what are we in an old time old timers division, right? <laughs> Remember in baseball, you have the old timers game before, uh-huh. right? Maybe that's what they do, right? Maybe before a big fight, and we have the old timers. But I, I, but those two guys fight Sergio Martinez and Oscar De La Hoya. 
About the same height, same weight. I'll watch that one. The same age. I think uh, De La Hoya is 47 and uh, Sergio Martinez is 46. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. It's a complete, and let's be honest, I remember I told you a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the issues, I think, uh, with the Ryan Garcia. And I mentioned, is there some envy from Oscar De La Hoya, right, from mm -hmm. the ego? And, and again, I don't, I, don't, I don't blame him, right? You're a fighter. You get out of the limelight. That's why Sugar Ray Leonard came back and, of course, got demolished by Hector Macho Camacho, unfortunately, mm -hmm. right? Uh, may he rest in peace. But same thing, right? They missed the limelight. It's money. And in De La Hoya's case, is it a way of saying, here you go, Ryan, right? I can still, right, draw and attract even at this age. You think he's saying, I can draw better than you? Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he, he does De La Hoya versus, you know, whoever. It doesn't matter. Pay-per-view, you know, right. whatever they do versus a Ryan Garcia pay-per-view. Right. All right. And, and he would because, yeah. mo although, again, Ryan Garcia, right, huge following. So that would be a tough one. But, I again, I, I think there's a little bit in there. I'm not saying that's all of it. I think the biggest piece is that it's that ego. You're a fighter. You miss the limelight. It's not the same being in the promoter, mm -hmm. right, wearing the suit and tie. And people saying, boy, great job, De La Hoya. Mm -hmm. That was a you know, nice, good good card you put on. It's not the same versus yeah. being the guy. Yeah. It, also, probably, too, it doesn't help, you know, having Bernard Hopkins, you know, as another golden boy. Sure. You know, uh, promoter. And, you know, he fought into his 50s. Yeah. And De La no, thinking, exactly you know, right. I, I've still got three or four more years left. And, and I'm going to tell you something. At the same time, go for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. One life, one opportunity, Rick. Right. Yeah. You play this thing wrong. You don't get to come back and play the game of life the second time. Mm. So that being said, Oscar, I know at some point because this show is going to start reaching hundreds of thousands, if not millions soon. Um, I get it. And I support it, Oscar. Seriously, regardless for the reasons, I'm not going to judge. Go for it. What do you got and, to lose, man? And, you know, it even goes into these boxers kind of delusional mindset, you know, from what was reported. Mike Tyson asked for five hundred million dollars for an exhibition. Against yeah. Tyson Fury. Yeah. And you know what the thing is, is why not, right? What's the, you know, what we're going to say is yes or no, yeah. right? They counter and say, hey, we don't have 500 million, but we can give you 200 million. Well, okay. They countered with 10. Oh, they countered with 10 they million? They countered with 10. Yeah. So that's why we don't have a uh, yeah. Mike Tyson, right. Tyson Fury fight. Wow. Imagine that, right? <laughs> 10 million. He, I mean, he must be doing okay, or he's being smart about uh, how he's negotiating that, right? Yeah. It's all about valuation, so that's what he's doing. If he's he's his valuation is yeah, give me five hundred million. And here's the thing again, guess what? How do you think that pay per view would do? Fury against uh, Mike Tyson. Oh, I do really well. It would do amazing. <laughs> that's that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. It would be something else. But if you look at the heavyweight division and we get some, you know, if we get some of the good fights mm -hmm. there, right? Um, Louis Ortiz against Andy Ruiz, right? Mm -hmm. That'd be a good fight. Good fight. Not, wouldn't do very good on a pay-per-view. No. Most people wouldn't order that It'd fight. It'd probably be regular Fox. Right. Yeah. Daniel Dubow, right? One of the best young fighters coming up, right? He fights Dylan White or something. Um, not going to happen. Yeah. Right? But you put Mike Tyson's name in there, here we are. Yeah. It would be another, by the way, that would be another Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes. If Mike Tyson gets in the ring with Tyson Fury, unless Tyson Fury just felt nice that evening, mm -hmm. He absolutely destroys Iron Mike. And I mean oh, destroys does. him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he walks right through him. Well, Danny Williams destroyed him. Right. However long ago that was. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, but you have have you seen Mike Tyson in the videos <laughs> and how sharp he looks hitting the Mets? 
Um, Unbelievable. And then our weekly uh, Ryan Garcia news. Um, he sent Jake Paul to the hospital by, you know, he gave him a couple body shots without the, the bodyguard. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, from everything I'm hearing, you know, he's he's doing okay. But, good, uh, good. you know. Those, those couple shots, you know, we don't have a Ryan Garcia scheduled fight, yeah. but at least he's beating up the YouTubers. Yeah, that's exactly right, and, and we're seeing him in action. I have seen that. Uh, typically, they're wearing the uh, the bodyguard, right, mm-hmm. um, and the padding that kind of obviously, you know, um, softens the blows, right? Yeah. But in this case, he went without it, right? Without it. So no bulletproof vest, just straight on. Straight. And and I'll tell you, though, it goes to show you, right, Ryan Garcia, maybe he's 135, whatever, but the leverage that he puts in those legs and in his and he's got thunder, so mm-hmm. yeah. But at the same time, I mean, what an idiot! I mean, give me a break, man. <laughs> you know, he could yeah. break ribs. Yeah. If, uh, if if they're not, in fact, we'll find out tomorrow or whatever. Right? Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, we are we do have some uh, fights uh, coming up scheduled. Uh, Eddie Hearn's matchroom boxing. Um, he set up his fight camp from his backyard. Nice. And uh, he's going to have four Saturdays in a row starting August 1st. Finally, nice. Um, Eggington versus Cheeseman. Okay. Um, and then it's going to end with uh, Dillian White uh, versus Povetkin. Okay. Good and, heavyweight um, fight. You know, but it'll be good to have, you know, another uh, bunch of fights to watch, and it'll be interesting to see how zone you know, yeah. does all that. Yeah, some a little different than the, uh, again, we appreciate top rank with mm-hmm. the Tuesday, Thursdays. What day are they doing those? Saturdays. Saturdays, so okay. Saturdays, four Saturdays in a row Okay, in so August. Sorry. And that's and that's fine. And they, they've yeah. again, they've got a good stable of fighters. Uh, top rank has been giving them some good fights. Like I said, yeah. we've got, we I believe, and we had them on, Adam Lopez, fight of the year against Louis mm-hmm. Correa, in my, in my opinion. So you give us some of those competitive fights, and we're okay with that. We just don't want to see the crap. With Miguel Burchell against poor Valenzuela. Yeah, we we don't want to see that. Yeah, that we don't want to see. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's what we're gonna get. Yeah. Or if um, you know these would be a lot more evenly matched fights. Yeah. Um, Golden Boy is starting to put their schedule out uh, on the Virgil Ortiz undercard. Is gonna be Hector Tanahara versus Mercedo Jesta. Okay. And both of those guys were rumored to be the Ryan Garcia opponent. Right for that uh, July Fourth fight that, that's, that's not right. happening now. That's right. That's too bad, but that's a good card. Yeah, that's a good undercard for yeah. that. And then uh, also on that undercard, uh, Shane Mosley Jr. His yes. first fight as a Golden Boy fighter. Okay. Um, and then uh, Sinisa Estrada as well. There she that. is, the one that we called out as yeah. uh, hoping to uh, to fight Marlena Sparza. Pretty interesting too that um, that um, Shane Mosley's son is with De La Hoya because uh, Shane Mosley was interviewed and he. Says he had a lot of respect. Him and De La Hoya apparently were always really good friends. Mm-hmm. They met in the amateurs, but from the business perspective, he was mentioning how he heard some kind of some shady things about De La Hoya. Yeah. And so, but here now, his son is is in a stable. So. It, it it did seem because uh, I think Mosley was like kind of the third partner in Golden Boy for a little bit, mm-hmm. where it was De La Hoya, Hopkins, yeah, and uh, Mosley, and then uh, you know he just kind of disappeared. So I don't yeah. know if there was a falling out. Maybe they're they've reconciled or. Yeah. And and again, you know, we've seen his son fight a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was on the uh the latest of the contender series. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure if it's like like father like son, right? Yeah. Not sure if he's as talented or how high he's going to go. Yeah. So we'll see. But that's uh, a good card. That's a yeah. good opening card. And then um Matchroom is is holding a fight in Tulsa, Oklahoma, August 13th. 
Julio Cesar Martinez, and this is also in conjunction with Golden Boy versus McWilliams Arroyo. Okay. You know, it should be a pretty good fight. And uh, Celia Brakis is on that undercard. Oh, no kidding. Okay. So, yeah, the, the women fighters are, you know, starting to uh, that's good. get their matches made. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and that's what we need, by the way, right? We're talking about having all of the promotions start their, their fights, and they almost have to. I mean, again, hats off the top rank for really kicking it off. Yeah, and uh, the last fight they just announced uh, earlier today, August 28th, Jorge Linares versus Javier Fortuna yeah. from Fantasy Springs. Yeah. That should be a good fight. Yeah. That should be an interesting fight. Again, right, we had that. One of our top five fights mm-hmm. is uh, Jorge Linares and Ryan Garcia. So that certainly doesn't um, remove that possibility. In fact, I think it helps that mm-hmm. possibility. So, you know, Ryan Garcia's got to get something probably scheduled sometime in August. Yep. And that could be the lead up. That's you right. Know, to they could fight in November. You start doing the eight weeks of training December. camp, and that's yeah. that's that's exactly you right. Start getting, you start getting in right into that time frame, yeah. September. October, there's eight weeks. So, yeah, you're talking about November. That's the thing about boxing, right, is that, yeah, you, you got to insert those eight weeks and the location. Location, maybe it's not as difficult, right, as far as, you know, securing an area because of what's going on because mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about the fans and everything. No. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, fights are going to be made on tribal land. Yeah. You know, where maybe the mm-hmm. rules are a little bit more lax. Sure. Uh, the, com- the fighting commissions are still going to be there, but um, – mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit easier to get those done. Sure. Than renting out, you know, Staples Center. Or yeah. Something like that. Absolutely. Good. And yeah, that's that's what I have for the news. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff. Again, and it's just uh, it's crazy, right? I think just all these comebacks and stuff are just yeah. some something else, man. And Evander Holyfield saying if Tyson comes back, come on, yeah. right? Again, these are guys that we grew up watching. We love them, but you know, somebody ought to put a recording of Evander Holyfield to listen to himself how he sounds today. See. Right. And there's a little bit of difference, you know, I went to the uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, Jorge Arce mm-hmm. exhibition fight down at TJ. <laughs> yes. You know, but yeah. they, were, they were wearing, you know, headgear. That's right. You know, it was more like a, a fun you right. know, exhibition. You know, right. they were doing it for charity. Yeah. These guys sound like they want to have real fights. They want to have real fights because, yeah. they, because they want to get paid real money. Yeah. Right. And those type of exhibitions that you're talking about. Um, are not. They're exhibitions, yeah. like you said. There's no real winner and loser. Yeah. Everybody knows it's safe. It's kind of clowning around. Yeah, you know, right? it, it is great to see these guys, you know, walk down the aisle, you know, one last time, you know, hear their music hit, hear the cheers, you know, but, you know, these guys could really get hurt, you know, doing what they're But here's to do. the thing. Even in that card that you're talking about uh, in TJ, right? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a lot of people, right? Yeah. Sold out, if if pretty yeah. close to it. Yeah. Okay, is it sold out if those two guys are not there doing an exhibition? Yeah, probably not. Probably yeah. not, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I would challenge you may remember, but who was who was the main event that night, right? Yeah. They were the main event. Yeah. At the end of the day, right? And that's that's kind of the problem, right? So yeah. there there you have it. All right, folks. Good stuff. Pretty much, you should be caught up with all the news now. Stimulating, perplexing, informative. We'll be right back with our next segment. All right, Pacific Coast Boxing back. Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado. All right, Rick, we could have easily talked about this in our first episode. What's wrong with boxing? How do we fix it? How do we get it back on pace with UFC, which we love UFC as well. 
but boxing is our passion. And we talked about there being a couple of really um, areas in boxing that really stick out. The judging is one. Mm -hmm. Okay, the judging is, you know, horrendous through the years with um, not only bad decisions, but things that knockdowns that weren't knockdowns. So judging is one. Uh, why aren't the best fights made mm -hmm. is two. And really related to that is also all of the champ all of the all of the champions because there's so many sanctioning bodies. There's not one governing body over boxing. So first thing though, well let's start on the judging. Okay. We told fans, by the way, last week we would have real solutions, not just a bunch of BS, pie in the sky. Uh, solutions that that are really not uh, practical like we're talking about solutions that would work yeah so judging i know you've got some ideas mm -hmm. on how you believe judging should be could be fixed so what do you got um my solution for that is um having five judges having five judges and then um at the end of the fight tallying up all the scores the two judges that have the most the widest margin of discrepancy from each other, we would throw those two out, and then you would take those three middle judges' scorecards. Okay. Does that address having uh, multiple horrible judges, though? So you're just saying there's the it's least likely. It's least likely. So you take the three best. They're mm -hmm. probably all bad. Yeah. But you're taking the three best. Yeah. And the three that saw the fight more the, the same. Okay. You know, it... Um, it wouldn't completely get rid of, you know, any of the incompetence or corruption that's going on, but I think it would help it out. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, from a practical standpoint, it would be uh, a little bit more money, right, to hire five judges mm -hmm. from all the sanctioning bodies. Yeah. Right? Um, from what I've read, you know, judges make anywhere from 100, 500 to, you know, 100 to 500 a fight per fight yeah um, okay depending on how big the fight is yeah and and where do the judges come from so let me ask you when we're looking at the judges mm -hmm. right do the can the judges um are they tied into a particular sanctioning body or are they pretty much independent um i would be okay with using the local judges yeah but these judges have to be scored you know per fight yeah so if you know mm -hmm. for whatever reason you know there's there's been a lot of fights where judging is have been adelaide bird yeah had you know 10 rounds for canelo again yeah. in the first triple g fight right right you know nobody saw it that way yeah you know everybody right. had that it was either seven rounds to five mm -hmm. a draw right you know seven five the other way yeah you know nobody had it 10 rounds to two yeah you know, it. Um, you have these judges, and they need to be held to a certain standard. Yeah. If they're not judging fights correctly, then yeah, you know, and, and they and, don't fight and, the big and, fights. And definitely in any scenario, mm -hmm. we definitely can't have them tied to any promotional company, any no. fighter, uh, any sanctioning body, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so that's why I was asking. I think that's key that they're completely agnostic, not. Related to any particular organization, and and they say they are now, yeah. But you know, mostly Nevada state judges, 
do Nevada State fights. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then they'll bring somebody in from New York, or yeah. but I think a lot of that stuff is written into the contract between the promoters. Yeah, hey, we're gonna get a judge from England to come out here and score this fight, or we're gonna get this. Yeah, and you know, but a lot of that goes through the promoters. It's kind of like in college football, right? Uh, during the bowl season, where mm-hmm. you know, if a Pac-10, a Pac-12 school, right, yeah. is is playing an SEC, they kind of have like a mixed referee crew. Yeah, right. So, okay, not disagreeing with that, right? Yeah. We're throwing a couple of things out there. My solution is based on math. So mm-hmm. I say, because it's scoring, and because we're scoring round by round, let's use a little bit of math. Because I think one of the big things with judging, and you alluded to it, is the lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. In whatever system that we use, there has to be accountability. Adelie Bird, the example that you gave. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was accountability, but we don't know about it. If the NBA actually has some system, not perfect, where uh, so does the uh, NFL. They actually have to sit games out, and they're not allowed to ref games. We don't know what happens in boxing, yeah. okay, when it, when it comes to uh, to the judges. I'm sorry. We're talking about judges, not necessarily referees, but um, they both play a big part in both, in both contests. So I think this, and I'm going to go back to my David Kaminsky <laughs> collar mm-hmm. fight from a couple of weeks ago where two judges had the fight, four to two, four to two, and then the one judge had the fight, two to four. So I'm going to use math, Rick. I'm going to try and make it simple. Um, So what you do is you take the difference between the judges that gave the fight, so only in a majority decision. Mm -hmm. If it's a unanimous decision, it's unanimous, okay? I'm going to go ahead and assume that all three judges saw the same thing. Six round fight. I don't care if it's uh, you know four two five one six mm-hmm. zero. We're gonna go ahead and believe that the right guy won. Yeah, you with me? Yeah. But when it is a majority decision, and you have the one judge sitting out there that says, "Hey, they saw the fight the other way," mm-hmm. and versus the two. Okay, that's okay, right? That that that's expected. The difference is how far off were they? in their vantage point of that fight. So here's what I would do. David Kaminsky and the Collard fight. Two judges had it 4-2-4-2. The other judge had it 4-2 for Kaminsky. That's impossible. Like, that that, 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 that just can't happen, okay? You, I'm going to use a little bit of math here, and I may, I may confuse some folks. I confuse myself when I'm going through this. You take the average of the two judges that scored the fight for the winning fighter. In this case, both judges had it four to two, four to two for Collard. Mm-hmm. The average of that is four. That's an easy one, okay. And then you take the difference of the winning rounds of what the lone judge had. The lone judge had only two rounds for Collard, who won the fight. There is a fifty percent difference in the amount of rounds that the two judges had for the winning fighter, mm-hmm. and that the third judge had. For, in this case, what she believed was the losing fighter. Yeah. I did the math on this. Even in a 10-round fight, anytime there is at least a 50% difference, that should be a big red flag, Rick. Okay. Big red flag. In that same scenario, yeah. what if Kaminsky didn't win the fight and the other guy wins the fight and there were four rounds to two, four rounds to two, and the one judge had it two to four? Well, you do the same thing. 
Same thing. Yeah, you do the same thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. As long only on we're only talking on a on a majority decision, mm -hmm. okay? Because it because there's so many different avenues you can go on. Same, you could do the same thing for split decisions. Yeah. Um, but this is how you have to start, right? But if you can, you can, certainly you can do the split decisions if there is a fifty percent difference, okay, mm -hmm. between the two judges who saw it one way to the third judge who did it. Give an example. If it was a ten round fight. If the if the two judges have it six four, seven three for the winning okay. fighter, okay, and the third judge had it uh, four to six, mm -hmm. okay, for the losing fighter, so the judge had the losing fighter winning six rounds to four. That's fine. That's only a thirty eight percent difference. Yeah, no problem, right? Just the difference. Maybe there was a couple rounds where they saw different. You know, ring generalship, mm -hmm. effective aggressiveness, all that stuff. But in that scenario, if two judges had it, one judge had it 6-4, second judge has it 7-3 for fighter A, mm -hmm. and then the third judge has it 7-3 for fighter B, that is over a 50% difference in the number of rounds won yeah. when you compare it to the average of the two judges that had it for the winning fighter. Yeah. I know it's a little complex, folks, but trust me, the math works out every time. Here's what's important, though, Okay. All it does is identify that there may be an issue. It happens the first time the judge is brought in, essentially given a verbal warning. Mm -hmm. This is what happens in the corporate world. See, but my thing is, what if that judge had it right? What if 90% of the people at home agreed with that one judge that had it the But how many way? times does that happen when you watch a fight? How many times do two judges have it wrong and the one judge sitting out there is the one who had it, it correct? It happens, though. But not too often. Yeah. Not too often. And that's fine. Yeah. But you're still going to review that scenario. Yeah. You're still going to review that, right? You're right. That could be that, wait a minute, they're still going to review it. Uh -huh. This is why I'm saying the first time, it's somewhat of a verbal warning, counseling, let's take a look at it. And that referee, I'm sorry, that judge is forced to justify how they saw the fight. Yeah. So to your point, it could be they review it and say, you know what? This judge is in the right. Yeah. Those we, we actually do understand it. And it's the other two. But today there's nothing because yeah. that's too much of a swing. If somebody sees a 50% difference in rounds one, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. That you, you, you did, that shouldn't happen. Same judge, same scenario. Is that third judge sitting on the limb? Um, immediate three-month suspension, okay. right? And additional training. Kind of like in driving, you, you know, you get into an accident, you have a company car at some, you know, organization, you have to take defensive driving, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do all the jump, all through hoops, check, check, check. You do it a third time, it's a six-month suspension. You get called out for that. The fourth time, you're pretty much terminated as a boxing judge. Yeah. yeah. So if nothing else, right, it at least forces the judge with some accountability and ownership of the fight that they're calling. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm kind of hoping they're already doing this now, but it doesn't seem like they are. Well, what they is are. it? But what yeah. is it? Yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody gets penalty. We don't know yeah. it because we're going to talk about that next yeah. on how the sanctioning bodies don't own and run that. Yeah. In fact, the sanctioning bodies will sometimes try and pick and leverage certain referees, mm -hmm. and then sometimes that's how you get into the negotiation games, right? Yeah. We want Carlos Padilla. We want, you know, whoever the ref, Chonady, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the problem. Yeah. We're talking about refs, yeah. but... And, uh, and and judges. Yeah, I, I just feel the more judges, and they had it over the weekend. They had six judges in the um, fights in Mexico City. Yeah. You know, just in case. I think only one of them went the distance, and yeah. all six had it for the 
Yeah. You know, I think it was an easy fight to score. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just with, with three judges, sometimes two of them can get it wrong. Yeah. Where if you've got five, it's kind of hard for three of them to. Right. Get, so get you're it wrong. saying, hey, the more that are there, more likely, right, yeah. that we get the right winner. And um, if we want to take a look at other sports like Olympic diving, those kind uh-huh. of sports, that's kind of the model, right? Yeah. They use um, a seven judge system mm-hmm. and the two scores that are the most off. The, the, the infamous Russian judges score that always gets wiped out. Yeah. So they, they, they wipe those scores out. Yeah. And then they use the middle five. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and it and it seems to work, right? Yeah. And now again, that that solution is, is kind of a common sense, right? In that hey, the more people you have, but mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, I think you can add as you can add twenty judges, right? Yeah. And so there's gotta be a sweet spot as to how many, okay? And we also have to give the judges credit, okay, because for the most part, I think they get it right. Yeah. Okay. We may not agree. We may see fights where, you know, 10-round fight where we think it was 7-3 and they gave it 7-6-4 or we think 8-2. Mm-hmm. But as long as the as long as long the right guy won, yeah, I think at the end of the day we're good with it, right? Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. And that's why, you know, and again, and I think they mostly, they mostly do, but there's also, like I said, in this situation, if nothing else, it keeps them on their toes and holds them accountable, and that's all I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you definitely want – there has to be some kind of rating system for these judges, you know, something that um, it seems like a lot of the bad judges continue to keep getting the big fights. Right, right. You know, there's no penalty for that's for right, that's right. Not, not doing your job. And 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 systematically, right? You you can put you you can use data analytics mm-hmm. to come up with that, right? To take a look at fights and say, okay, by and large. How many times has this judge been involved with fights that are non-controversial where the judge picked the right fighter? Yeah. Okay. Where you can get unbiased ringside observers, submit their scorecards, look at the judges and say, you know what? This judge has been on the right side 90% of the time. Yeah. Right? And and anybody below 80 or whatever. Like that, to me, that's where it needs to be fixed is with the accountability. All right, folks, there's a couple ways to to beat the judging. We're going to take a quick break because this next section is going to be really good. It's where we talk about the infamous alphabet soup of boxing, why the best fighters aren't fighting the best, and the difference between a super lightweight and a junior welterweight. There is no difference. (laughs) We'll be right back. Okay, Alfonso Ruiz back with Rick Prado, Pacific Coast Boxing, real solutions on how we're going to fix boxing. We talked about judging, good stuff. Judging is a big piece, but that doesn't fix the actual fighters that are in the ring that they are judging, who they're representing, what championship belt they happen to be bringing into the ring or fighting for. So the next piece we really need to di- uh, drill into, Rick, is the the fact that the best fights are not being made, mm-hmm. and really these are really two and one. We said we would be talking about three. These next two are really combined. Why the best fights are not made, and the multiple infamous proverbial alphabet soup of championships. Yeah. So that being said, okay, let's just go ahead and level set. 
there are four sanctioning bodies in boxing. The WBA, the WBC, the IBF, and the WBO, right? So just for a little bit of information, okay? So the WBA is the oldest of the four. Started in 1921. Some people may say it's got the most prestigious championship because it's got the, the super WB. If you have a super WBA championship, it means you have a WBA championship and at least one more belt in any of the other three sanctioning bodies, which is WBC, WBO, and WBF. Mm-hmm. Second one, of course, is the WBC. This one was started in 1963. Okay, uh, Mauricio Suleiman, of course, now his son is running it. The green belt, I've even said it. Um, I've even heard feedback on it. Hey, you keep calling out the green belt as being the most important. Maybe it's the one that I remember most, but it's certainly considered one of the more prestigious ones, just being the WBC. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, growing up, um, a lot of Mexican fighters love that green belt. Heavyweight champions love that green belt. You know, it seems to get the most recognition. I think... You show a picture of all four belts, people are going to be able to point out the WC belt. And that's a good point. It's the most recognizable belt yeah. by by pure looks and aesthetics, mm-hmm. right? You're right. I was at the uh, Temecula Boxing Gym, and they were talking about uh, El Verde, right? Mm-hmm. El Cinto Verde, that's what they're talking about, right? The WBC. Yeah. So, so you've got that. And then you've kind of got, I'm going to call them kind of the stepchildren, that came from the WBA. You've got the WBO uh, that started in 1988 and then the IBF. Both of those came from the WBA, Rick. Mm -hmm. Both of those. Both under certain kind of political situations. Bob Lee lost an election to get on the board or or to head the WBA, and the next thing you know, he's got the IBF. Yeah, and it probably all comes down to money. He probably wasn't getting his, his piece of the pie. That's exactly right. So all four sanctioning bodies, um, quite a bit of history and quite a bit of dirt in there, Rick, when you're talking about all four <laughs> sanctioning bodies. Yeah. What do you got on that, Rick? Um, just a lot of shady going on. You know, <laughs> you got the four sanctioning bodies and then, you know, they're able to rank fighters wherever they want. Um, you know, you've got great fighters that aren't champions in any division that aren't in rankings of certain divisions, you know, and it's all politics based, you know, the WBC for a long time was tied in with Don King. Um, it seems like each organization has their own promoters Mm -hmm. that, um, follow them. And, um, you know, there's yeah. been accusations of, you know, bribery oh, yeah. to get people, you know, ranked. Every, and, everywhere. You said Don yeah. King and the WBC, who mm-hmm. allegedly stripped Leon Spinks of the uh, WBC heavyweight championship so that he could have two of his guys, uh, Larry Holmes and Ken Norton. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's been, you know, the WBC and Don King, you know, they and even, you know, my idol, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez. Yes. You know, he's gotten the benefit of the doubt a lot yes. of the times. Yes. Uh, in the year 2000, yeah, you know, Chavez got to fight Kosh Zoo yeah, for the WBC super lightweight title. Mm-hmm. Chavez had not fought at that weight for two years, mm-hmm. and he had just been beaten by journeyman Willie Wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he gets a title shot. Right, right, you know. right. Because, like we said earlier, with De La Hoya coming back or wanting to come back, 
boxing is not about who wins and who loses. It's mm-hmm. about putting rear ends in the seats. It's mm-hmm. about people calling in or, or purchasing pay-per-views. That's all it's about. And again, and why it's it's so frustrating. WBA, and let's not leave Bob Arum out of it, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. have his hands clean, right? No. Allegedly paying off, uh, you know, in the 1980s, they get fighters either not having to defend their belts or having fighters ranked higher than what they should be. WBO, right, the infamous deceased fighter was a Darren Morrison that uh, was deceased, top, twice had him in the top 10, a deceased fighter, yeah. okay? IBF, in some cases, doesn't even have uh, fighters ranked number one and two. Don't ask me why, right? If you look, I'll give you an example. If you look at the heavyweight division, um, Deontay Wilder is not even ranked in the top 15 by the IBF or the WBO. Yeah, okay. The IBF and WBO, by the way, and I'm not sure why they did that. Maybe it's because they consider themselves the junior uh, boxing sanctioning bodies, Mm -hmm. Um, but they are the ones that have the infamous junior weights, whereas the WBA and the WBC have the super weights, right? So when I was telling you earlier about what's the difference between a super lightweight and a junior welterweight. The difference is you're either fighting in the WBA, WBC, or the WBO, or the IBF. Yeah, it um, it, it gets confusing. You know, um, as boxing fans, we know the difference between the two. But if you're just listening, you know, you're not going to know the difference. You know, or that the, you're not going to know that there isn't a difference. Yeah, you don't. So it's like, wait a minute, he's fighting for the super welterweight, yeah. or is that junior middleweight? Right. <laughs> What's the difference? And that's confusing, mm-hmm. right? 17 different weight divisions and all four sanctioning bodies, right? And so, well, when you combine them all, that, that, they, all, that they all support. It used to be eight original uh, boxing weights. When you look at the UFC, for example, the UFC has eight weight divisions. Yeah. That's it. Okay. And we're not saying everything is all, you know, perfect in the UFC, but there's only one champion in the UFC in each division. Yeah. There's not a gold, a diamond, a super nothing there's one champion at each division and it's clear because there's only one usc that is the governing mm-hmm. body of of that particular uh, organization right yeah and you know the way the ufc does it they have a ranking system you know you're they rank the one through ten and they have a champion and in order to move up in there you've got to fight some guys that are actually in there yeah with these sanctioning bodies you can skip over you know ten guys and now all of a sudden be the number one ranked guy ready for the title. That's exactly right. And, you know, we were talking to Adam Blue Nose Lopez last week, right? And he mm-hmm. made mention of that without going into details about the politics of boxing and the business of it. And you're absolutely right, right? Yeah. It's as much who you know. It's as much are you a name. Are you somebody that, you know, if they can make X amount of money. And then and we, we're not even talking about the promoters. We're just talking about the sanctioning bodies, yeah. right? And, of course, the sanctioning bodies ask for um uh their fees mm-hmm. right for you to be able to fight for their prestigious title um a lot of cases which is fine i actually like it when the fighters have leverage floyd mayweather in several cases said no i'm not going to pay your sanction if he didn't pay it when he was fighting uh shane mosley you know why because we knew who was the champion we didn't yeah. need him with the belt to know who was the best welterweight at that time yeah right no, no issues um three uh, percent is the general going rate for what they have to pay mm-hmm. some cases they have a minimum of a thousand the wbo has a minimum of a thousand and a maximum of two hundred thousand of wow. a fighter's purse yeah okay it, it's just 
they got their hand out, you know, for the rankings, for the belts. You know, they're, they're making they're making money. And it's really crazy because at the end of the day, they do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Okay, right? They do absolutely nothing for boxing. Okay, if we wanted to see, let's just say today, we want to see Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Um, today, Anthony Joshua carries the WBA, IBF, and WBO belts, and Tyson Fury carries the WBC belt, mm -hmm. right? Do we really care? No, we believe those two right now are probably the two best heavyweights. Yeah, and you know you want to see that fight because you want to have an undisputed champion. You want to have a guy that everyone says is the champion. The problem with that, though, as soon as everybody, you know, someone holds all those belts, one of those sanctioning bodies is going to try to take that belt. Yeah, because and that's what's so difficult because they each have their own uh, criteria mm -hmm. as to how that belt needs to be. Uh, defended yeah. and who it needs to be fought. Um, how are you going to do that when you're holding all four belts? And they'll make concessions. Like recently, the WBC came out and made concessions saying they may lower their sanctioning fees for their champions. Gee, thank you very much, WBC. <laughs> okay, so there you go, folks. There's a lot of information. If you didn't know about the four sanctioning bodies, now you know, you have an idea who they are. Okay, if you forget, just remember IBF, WBO. Those are the, the junior sanctioning bodies because they both came from WBA, and that, that's not why, I'm just saying. But if yeah. you forget, so their weights go by junior, not super. So anytime you see a junior something weight class, it's mm -hmm. a WBO or an IBF champion involved. Yeah, and you know, let's go over some of the solutions. There All right. There needs to be one sanctioning body mm -hmm. that ranks these fighters. Um, I do like the ring system. The only problem with the ring system is that it's owned by one of the promoters. So the ring system, they can put their own their own fighters on the uh, rankings, and it's just like um, the sanctioning bodies now, where they can put whoever they want on the rankings. You're absolutely right. So here's the first solution that Rick just threw out there, and we're both on the same page as this one. You identify a non-biased, independent panel of individuals that will rank fighters. Mm -hmm. um, well, not even ranked fighters, I'm sorry. We're talking about the sanctioning bodies. Um, for ranking fighters, you use a system similar to what college football does with the BCS is yeah. what I'm thinking, Rick. Use the data analytics, okay? Now, when I said about ranking the fighters, yes, you still have a panel of folks that will identify and rank, but that's not the complete system. Just yeah. like the BCS, right, where you've got coaches and and personnel that were involved in college football, they get a vote on the top 25, mm -hmm. but it doesn't determine the top 25, yeah. right? It's just one factor, one of the criterias, including the uh, their opponent, strength of schedule, their activity, those kind of things. Yeah, you know, you can't continuously schedule D2s, you know, when you're when you're D1. That's exactly you, right. You've got to fight the big guys. You got to work your way up the ladder, and it seems like you get to skip. A lot of rungs on that ladder. So, for example, um, Miguel Burchell would mm -hmm. have gotten zero credit for this last particular fight. Yeah. Strength of schedule would have been not very good. Opponent would have not been very mm -hmm. good. Okay. But activity probably does pretty well in activity if, yeah. if he spawned recently. Emmanuel Navarrete, we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. The fighter was 13 and 13, 500. Now he's yeah. one game or one fight below okay. 500. Yeah. That would not have helped him. So, you get a panel of human beings 
that rank fighters and you take the data analytics with what we talked about things like opponent strength of schedule activity we put men on the moon rick i'm pretty sure we could figure out an equation as to how to rank fighters the correct method yeah here's the second thing though because that's just one uh you get rid of the wbo and the ibf yeah you pretty much now yeah. when i say get rid of them get rid of them as it being a legitimate championship mm -hmm. okay if, it could still carry some weight. When we're talking about this rating system of using data analytics, fine. If you want to go ahead and use the IBF champion as it gives you points or there's some weighting, that's fine. Yeah. You can still use that, but it's not considered – you're not considered an actual champion. Yeah, and I would like to see you know there be a tournament. If there's four champions in a certain division, I'd like to see them all fight one another. There, that way there's one champion. You know who the champion is. And, you know, right now, you know, we're to say, you know, who's the best welterweight champion? Yes. You know, and it, and they proved answers. that it worked. And the, the Super Six tournaments that they have, yeah. the one that Andre Ward won when mm -hmm. he got to fight everybody, that put Andre Ward on the map, by the yeah. way. Andre Ward doesn't win that. May not be the household name that we know of. Mm -hmm. Okay, but we got another one for you. We can certainly do that. There's certainly opportunities. But now we're talking members. So the WBO and the IBF are out. Mm -hmm. So we've only got the two sanctioning bodies, WBC, WBA. They do not get to rank fighters on their own. Yeah. Okay, they don't because we know what they're going to do. We're mm -hmm. going to have the who your sister Chavez fighting Costi Zhu, no business. Who who would still, if mm -hmm. he were to come back, right? You know, that's right. Number one. That's right. No, that's exa <laughs> that's exactly right. Somehow, so the both the WBC and the WBA rankings are held independently by the system that's done with complete data analytics. If you're not going to have some sort of a fight tournament or a tournament in each weight division, you force fighters mandatory three fights per year, Rick. One fight gets to be an open fight, but it has to be against an opponent in the top 20. Yeah. Hopefully in the top 20, it'll be semi-competitive. We're not going to get the Valenzuela Burchell fight that we saw this last Saturday. No, yeah, definitely. I think in the, in the UFC model, you know, the top guys are fighting the top guys. And I think a lot of times... These fighters are, are afraid to get that one loss. You know, some of the biggest fighters in the UFC have six or seven losses. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So think about this, right? So you have to fight three times a year, have to, unless there's health issues, et cetera. Yeah. That keeps them active. Three fights per year, okay? Uh, one fight has to be against the top 20. So you kind of give that open. They get to mm -hmm. fight in their hometown. They get to showcase, whatever. But the other two fights, they have to put their championship belts on the line. Yep. If it is champion against champion, so let's say we have a middleweight fight uh, between a WBA and a WBC champion, the purse is, because this will address the whole issue with the promoters, because that's mm -hmm. how now some folks are probably listening and saying, yeah, what about the promoters? We get it, but you know what? This is about making our boxing sport, uh, the, the sport of kings it should be. The purses are split 40 and 40 with 20% going to the winner, Rick. No, the, I, open, you know, the open twenty. Yeah, I, I would I would love to see that. You know, I think um, more more fights would be made. You know, I think there'd be less. You know, right now fights aren't being made because of the negotiations. You know, everybody feels I should get sixty, that person should get forty. You know, and they argue back and forth. This this eliminates that process where absolutely forty forty, and the winner gets the extra twenty. Because here's the thing. Here's who makes you the A-side. If you have a belt going in, mm -hmm. you are the A-side. 
That that's what makes you the A side. If you don't have a belt going in, then the percentages change, and you can kind of play with with those percentages all you want, right? Yeah. If, for example, you have uh, let's just say a Canelo Alvarez, WBC middleweight champion, mm-hmm. um, coming in and fighting, uh, I'll just say number eight Dennis Hogan. Okay, mm-hmm. hopefully he fights. No Jaime Munguia or, or Sergey Dervichenko. Sorry, yeah. Sergey Dervichenko is. Uh, and by the way, the champion has to fight the number one contender. Yeah. All right, whoever's ranked number one. All right, so I, I, let me go back on that. They have to fight the number one. Sergey Dervichenko does not hold a strap. So guess what? Canelo gets 60%. Mm-hmm. Dervichenko gets 20 The winner gets the other 20%. Yeah, yeah that, that would definitely... Uh... So that immediately establishes Canelo as the A-side because he's the champion, mm-hmm. not because more people want to see him and the pay-per-view and all that. Yeah. So there's some incentive. Even better, by the way, if you are the undisputed champion. So if you have both belts, if you have the WBA and the WBC, you get 70%. Again, you can play with the numbers. You can do Mm 70-20. Winner gets the remaining 10%. Yeah, and, you know, if you're the B-side, you have to invest in yourself. Believe in yourself that, you know, next time you can be the A-side if you just win that. And you do the same thing with the percentages. Based on the ranking, if you're the number five ranked, so I'm looking at the WBA. Um, if I am number seven, Michael Zarafa, and he has to fight uh, uh, Terreno Johnson, Johnson's going to get the A-side money. He's ranked higher. Yeah. He's ranked higher on a complete non-biased system that's based on opponent, strength of schedule, activity, mm-hmm. whether or not you have an IBF or a WBO strap. So we're not getting rid of IBF and WBO. We're just not considering that a major championship, but it still is a champion. You can certainly walk around, and that gets you a little bit extra in your purse as well. Yeah. yeah. And you can even get into some of the um, you know, fight of the night bonuses like UFC. I think that kind of makes it interesting as well. But um, you know, the main purses, you can find a way to divide it up where it's fair, and you have to earn your money and get, and get to that top level. That's exactly right. Um, the sanctioning fees are also adjusted mm-hmm. as well. Fixed sanctioning fees, okay, based on what the purses are. Um, a lot of fighters out there that don't make a lot of money. We talked about that, I think, in one of our first shows. Yeah. And that guy's making $1,500, you know, $1,000. Mm-hmm. The sanctioning fees are also mathematically completely uh, recalculated. Yeah. That's why, right, you got folks like Floyd Mayweather, a lot of champions, we can go on and on, say, no, I'm not going to pay the $300,000 yeah. sanctioning fee just to say I get to fight for your championship. That's ridiculous. Yeah. For yeah. what? For the right to, I'm going to pay you 300000 Think about that. Think about Cody Bellinger having to pay Major League Baseball. To be okay? the MVP. Right, to be the MVP. <laughs> Thank you. Here's $300,000 to be the MVP. Yeah. It would be unheard of. Yeah. Right? And, and it's really – and here's another thing, folks, and this is going kind of uh, down a rabbit hole, but it's not, okay? Also, no pension fund for fighters. The fighters are the ones that make up the sport, not the judges, not the referees, not the promoters. It is the it is the fighters, okay? We talked about Cody Ballinger. We talked about all these other sports. They're not getting punched in the face. They're not getting socked in the gut, okay? Let's set up a system also that the higher – you get ranked, and the better you get, right, there's pension opportunities. No, yeah, they definitely, um, you know, the, the more money you make, you know, f- for an organization exactly or promotion. Right. Exactly you know, right. They, there should be a pot 
right. to give them later. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's not just about, hey, guess what? If I become a fighter, I get a pension. No. Okay, you can go 0-20, mm -hmm. and you're just basically uh, literally a, a, a tune-up. No, I'm talking about fighters that really make it their living, really put themselves out on the line, um, put their lives out on the line, and that are, you're right, making money for promotions. They deserve something at the end of the road. Yeah. Not, not thank you very much, and I'll see you at the gym, and maybe you'll go to a Fantasy Spring signing event where we give you a couple thousand. Mm -hmm. That's a bunch of crap. Yeah, you know, I, I know they had to fight for it, but the NFL has, you know, Players Association, you know, they had to come in and fight for a lot of that uh, stuff, especially with the concussions and everything. Yeah. There's a lot of medical bills that, you know, they they need to be, have money for. There's got to be something, and, and I, you know, and, and those sports all have unions. Boxing doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of time. And that's kind of going off, but it's not because we're talking about how to fix boxing. And that's all part of it yeah. is uh, is improving uh, the quality of the lifestyle for the guys that give us all of this entertainment. So the other thing, Rick, and this isn't as big, but I think it still needs to be touched on. Uh, I think the referees mm -hmm. uh, also can use some help, yeah. not only from the personnel perspective. I think there's referees that are absolutely horrible. Yeah. That you know either they're told or I don't know like the uh, the what was the wrestling match the uh, the 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 job in Montreal where uh, what's his name got pinned Bret Hart got the, pinned the, the screw job the the, yeah. the screw job right yeah. where clearly that referee was in on that right yeah. I'm not gonna say and go that far because I don't know right mm -hmm. but I do believe that referees also need to be held accountable to make sure they're performing at a professional level but. Why are we not using instant replay? How many fights have we seen where clearly the fighter's glove touches the canvas, mm -hmm. but it's not a knockdown? Yeah, you know, too too many fights, and and the capability to do it is there. You know, there's eight different cameras showing the fight. It's you everything, know? and yet we're going to rely. And here's the interesting thing: years ago, there's one of the things we we got to catch up on a lot of fights during COVID. The referee was one of the judges, <laughs> right? Yeah, the judge, the referee actually had a say so yeah. in who won the fight. And, and yet now, with this technology, right, mm -hmm. we're still relying on the referee to determine whether or not it was an accidental headbutt or whether or not the cut came from a punch. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. You know, the, the referee could be blinded by the punch, might be going behind the fighter. You know, they try to stay in the middle, but they're unable to see everything. And here's the other thing, right? Same thing with the count, okay? Mm -hmm. You tell me, okay, fighter goes down, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, and then the referee has to first clear, right, yeah. the opponent and has to put him in the neutral corner. Uh -huh. And then he turns around and counts. Okay. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. We have the, the infamous long count fight. Right. Um, some people say with the uh, Joshua, with the, I'm sorry, with the Tyson Fury, mm -hmm. Deontay Wilder. Right. Uh, referee who we love. What's the referee's name? Uh, uh, Jack Reese. Jack Reese, who we absolutely love. Mm -hmm. But. Can't we use technology for that as well and say once a fighter's glove touches, you know, the, the legal rule for mm -hmm. a fighter being down, glove touching, back hitting the canvas, whatever that is, mm -hmm. ringside, okay, there is a count that starts. And guess what? And it goes audible in the arena yeah. so that the fighter immediately knows how long he's been down for. Otherwise, think about it. You're having a referee. I just It's just crazy. Manually count. Yeah. One, <laughs> two. Are you kidding me? And how do know, they know the cadence? How do they know the cadence that they're counting exactly ten seconds? Yeah. And and you know sometimes you know even in wrestling you know you get to that three count from two to three yeah. seems 
pretty long sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, there's been a lot of kickouts, a yeah. lot of kickouts in uh, in the in, in WWE WWF. <laughs> That right with the different ref, it's a different turnoff. Yeah, but think about that. We're relying on a referee to to basically to use his own internal cadence. Yeah, and I'm sure he's close, right? Yeah. I'm sure he's close. You go one one thousand, two one thousand, mm-hmm. three one thousand. But you're talking about we've got computers, folks. We've got clocks. We've yeah. got things that somebody can actually time an actual ten seconds. Right, you, you but, would think but it would be simple. Yeah, it would be simple. So that's another thing. I mean, let's put in instant replay. Um, no, we're not talking about stopping a fight in the middle of the fight. No. Hey, well, hold on, we got to go to the. You do it in between rounds, mm-hmm. right? You have a system set up. We have the technology. We put uh, we put people on the moon. Yeah, allegedly, but you can set up people just like they do in the NFL. Have people remote in New York or whatever, right? And that's what they're watching. So you got one minute. You got one minute to rule or not. And when here's the thing. With the headbutt, you don't have to rule that right away. No. Right? You can review that. Mm-hmm. In basketball, what do they do with the three-point shot? They review it. Was this toe on the line? Was this not on the line? You know why they do that, Rick? Because they want to get it right. Yeah. And, that, and that's all the – I think we were asking, you know, with the you know corrupt judges, with the corrupt organizations, you know, the ref should be the simplest thing. It should be the simplest thing, and we have the technology to do it. Uh They do it in, again, simple stuff in basketball. The three-point shot, was the ball out of bounds or not? Who did Mm -hmm. it go off of? Because those kind of things can determine the difference and the end result of the game, just like whether or not a fighter was down or not. Was it a knockdown? Was it not a knockdown? That swings the fight. Same with the headbutt. If it was an accidental headbutt, um, it changes the fight versus if it was an actual punch. If it's an actual punch, it's game on. Yeah. Right, fight gets stopped because of a headbutt that fighter A socked fighter B. Fighter A wins. Yeah. It's a technical knockout because I, oh, I, I caused, I intentionally inflicted that blow. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. So there you go, Rick. That's how we would fix boxing. That's a topic that honestly we can talk for quite a bit on because yeah. there's so much on that. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll be back here in just a second. All right, and we're back. I feel like that round ended too soon, Rick. I still had like a lot of other punches to throw yeah. on that topic, man. Well, we can go for hours and hours, you know, trying to fix it. On that for sure. And hopefully again, folks, send us an email, counterpunch at PacificCoastboxing.com. Tell us if we're on point. Tell us if there's things that you guys see that maybe we should have included or that you would uh, fix boxing with. But it's uh it's just something that we need to address either way. So Favorite topic of the week, Rick. Stat of the week. What do we got? All right. Uh, Bernard Hopkins holds the record for the oldest world champion ever at 49 years and 94 days old. Wow. And that that's uh, – who did he beat for that? He defeated John Pascal mm-hmm. to break the record previously held by George Foreman. George Foreman, 45 yeah. years, 10 months. Yeah. Um, at the time he broke that record, Hopkins was 46 years old, four months, and six days. Yeah, and uh, George Foreman obviously against uh, Moore, right? Yeah. And uh, heavyweight fight. The thing is about that is that um, the older age seems to obviously benefit the bigger, heavier fighter, right? Um, instincts, the quickness, right, mm-hmm. does, is not as important in the in the heavier weights. Yeah. To, but it makes um, uh, Bernard Hopkins' accomplishment that much more. 
um, impressive. Yeah, and you at, know, at the at the now what was that at? I think that was at the super middleweight. Was that light heavyweight? I think it was light light heavyweight. Light heavyweight, right? Yeah. So, but one seventy five. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 pretty thin, right? Yeah, no, it. Uh, I think you. He did it with this with the speed, great yeah. great conditioning, yeah, and you know he was a good defensive fighter. Yeah, I asked him one time uh, at one of the Fantasy Springs fights. I said, "Hey, Bernard," I said. Uh, Give me one piece of advice that I can give to my daughter. She's an athlete, you know. She's looking to uh, to do well in her sport. And I said, "What What do you recommend?" And he said, "I got one word for you: food." <laughs> That's what he said. Food, man, right? Yeah. So he supposedly is uh, very disciplined with his whole regiment mm-hmm. on how he. And it's true, right? Food is the fuel to your to your body. Yeah. So very clean living, you know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that's why Tom Brady's had such a long career. Yeah, and, and it's also, right, when you look at uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar is 47 today. Mm-hmm. So, again, going back to that, right, yeah. Oscar's probably looking and saying, hey, Bernard won at 49. But here's the difference. And, again, for the record, because this show goes out to millions of people, we're Oscar De La Hoya fans. We yeah. respect him as a fighter and what he accomplished. But he self-admittedly will tell you that he was not the most disciplined mm-hmm. outside when he was not training for a fight. Yeah, no, de- definitely. You know, the partying got to him, and uh, you know, he could be an old, old forty-seven. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. That's possible, especially as a fighter. And I think you know he has even talked about how. That's what he respects about Canelo, that Canelo's very disciplined. Canelo keeps a very close, small circle. So I think that's the difference in why a Bernard Hopkins, who, and it's and, and it's not apples to apples, Bernard Hopkins w- uh, won the championship at 49, but he'd been fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Bernard Hopkins never took a layoff like De La Hoya did for yeah. five, six years. No, yeah, he, stayed, he stayed busy. He stayed busy. He yeah. continued to fight, right, and continued to be obviously very competitive all the way up until his 50s, until the Joe Smith fight, unfortunately. Yeah. But he continued to fight, so it's a much different, you know, 47 to De La Hoya saying he's two years younger. He hasn't been fighting. So, but there you go, folks. Not sure what you did or what you're going to do when you're 49, but he's fighting against a very best which is different from uh last year or last week episode rick which is interesting well Fredo mm-hmm. benitez winning the wbc lightweight championship at the age of 17 yeah. crazy all right folks we'll be right back to wrap this up all right alfonso ruiz back with Pacific Coast Boxing, Rick Prado. Wow, Rick, what a show, man. Yeah, so no. much information, so many things. I tell you what, if I'm a fight fan and I just listen to this show right now, I've got a lot of information in my back pocket that I can go around and start talking boxing. Yeah, you know, and um, I hear from a lot of people this show is getting better and better. That's what we hear, folks. So remember, email us, counterpunch at pacificcoastboxing.com. So coming up next week, I can't spoil it, but we're working on a couple of guests, special guests. We got, again, folks, we're not only going to talk to champions. We're going to talk to up-and-comers, trying to get a female boxer to come on. We've got several things going on, pretty excited about. We're going to start breaking down a couple of divisions because some folks have also asked us to start talking about really taking a surgical approach. So we're going to take a look at the heavyweight division next week, Rick, and the lightweight division. Specifically those two. 
yeah, that'll be exciting. You know, we'll we'll get some of the you know heaviest division and and some of the little guys to uh, that's exactly talk about. right. And we're gonna offset that. Won't may not do it every single week, but we're always gonna offset it. We'll never give you one uh, division or another. It's always gonna be both. Um, and so that's coming up next. Again, a couple of guests, which is going to be also a really good thing. Ten seconds, folks. I better give you a quick shoe shine in the corner. Based on what we just talked about, I'm looking at the IBF number two ranked fighter in the heavyweight division. You know who it is, Rick? It's Charles Martin. No way. And that's exactly why we got to get rid of all the sanctioning bodies because he has no business being ranked number two by the IWF. See you later, folks. That'll do it. I pulled it out with the shoe shine, Rick. Right. Good evening. Thank you very week. much. Talk to you guys. <laughs>